0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, on God, Amen. Through the grace of God, we will study tonight, Chapter 2, from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. As you know, the believers in Thessalonica were going through difficult times, because of the persecution, that's why they needed word of comfort and encouragement. And in this chapter, Saint Paul encouraged them to endure persecution. by emphasizing his love and his fatherhood to them, also, he praised them for accepting the word of god as the word of god not as word of men also he praised them for enduring persecution with perseverance and he concluded the chapter by explaining to them how he is longing to see all of them and why he couldn't visit them uh, earlier. These are the points that St. Paul will cover in this chapter. Let's start by reading the first verses from chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. St. Paul here is speaking about the fruit of his ministry. He's telling them that our ministry to you and our coming to you was not in vain. What does it mean was not in vain? This means it brought forth fruits. What are these fruits? The endurance of persecution in itself is the fruit of the faithful ministry of St. Paul. The acceptance of the word of the gospel as the word of God, not as word of men, this is also another fruit of his faithful ministry. So Saint Paul is telling them, don't be discouraged because of the persecution. Don't say, now the ministry of Saint Paul among us is failing. No, it is not failing. Our ministry to us were not in vain, was not in vain our ministry to you actually brought forth fruits. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. St. Paul told them that you know that we suffered in Philippi. And you can read about this suffering in Philippi in the book of Acts chapter 16. What happened to them in Philippi and how they were imprisoned in Philippi before they leave Philippi and go to Thessalonica. And St. Paul is telling them, this suffering in Philippi did not stop us from preaching the gospel was boldness to you. We didn't say, now we will stop preaching in order to avoid any more suffering. But actually, after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. And here is the first lesson to any servant. We have to have this courage, this boldness. Even if there is conflict around us, even if there is suffering, even if there is hardship, but we need to be bold and we need to be courageous in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our boldness comes from where? From God, as he said, we were bold in our God. So, when we trust God with all our hearts, he will give us this courage and this boldness in order to be able to speak and to preach the gospel of Christ even in the midst of the conflict. Another important point here that suffering is Not indication that there is an error in their message. But suffering can be indication that actually this message is true. That's why Satan is attacking the truthfulness of the message of God. That's why in verse 3 he said, For our exhortation, did not come from error or uncleanness nor was it in deceit. Saint Paul is saying here that we suffered not because our message was in error or our exhortation did not come from error. What did he mean by error? Error like the Gnostic teaching or the Jewish teaching for example the Christian from Jewish background they were teaching that you need to keep all the law of the Old Testament like circumcision like purification like sacrifices in order to be saved and Gnosticism is exalting knowledge above faith. But St. Paul here is saying, our message was not in error, did not come from error. It is the true message of the gospel of Christ. Uncleanness, he was saying that our message was not like the pagan. Because many pagan, when they worship. They uh, used impurity and some uncleanness in their worship. But he said to them, we presented you the message of the gospel of Christ in truth and also in holiness, not in uncleanness. Nor was, was it in deceit. What did he mean by deceit? Deceit, as if he was deceiving them, he had a second or a hidden agenda beyond preaching the gospel. For example, maybe he is seeking his own glory. He is seeking to be popular. He is seeking to make money. He was greedy. But St. Paul is saying, our message to you did not come from error or uncleanness or deceit. So this message is message of truth, of holiness, and of true and genuine love. And we can say that these are three elements, these three elements, truth, holiness, and love are essential elements in preaching the gospel. Truth is the opposite of error. Holiness is the opposite of uncleanness. Love is the opposite of deceit. So far, St. Paul mentioned four, four criteria for the proper attitude of the servant. Number one, we should preach in boldness, with courage. Number two, truth. Number three, holiness. Number four, love. Then in verse four, he said, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Another criteria, another criterion St. Paul is saying here or is adding here is Are you men pleaser or pleasing God? Many people in their service they want to please men. Not God. But Saint Paul is saying clearly here. We were not men pleasers. But actually we were pleasing God. Because it is God who tests our hearts. God examined our hearts. That's why our goal was not to please men but to please God. And when God actually examined our hearts, He approved us. He found that we can be entrusted to preach the gospel. That's why He said in the beginning of the verse, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So God examined their hearts. And He found their hearts after His own heart. He found them as pleasing God not pleasing men that's why God approved their appointment to be entrusted with the gospel and here every servant should ask himself when God tests my heart and examines my heart does he approve me to be entrusted to preach the gospel or not St. Paul in verse 5, he was explaining or elaborating more why he was not a men pleaser. Usually, men pleasers use flattering words in order to please men. But he said, For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a clock. For covetousness, so he did not use any flattering words to please men. Also, he did not put on the cloak of covetousness. What's cloak of covetousness? When he envied the people, if he envies the people, and uh, he want to make profit out of his service if there is greediness in his service. And usually, the covetous person or the greedy person use deceit in order to reach his goals. But St. Paul said, we did not preach you in deceit, and we did not put on the cloak of covetousness so if we were greedy or covetous we would acted in deceit and here is saying God is witness so I'm not actually seeking approval from you but it is God who examines the heart and who tests the heart is witness that what I am saying to you is true that I did not put on the cloak of covetousness, nor that I used flattering words in order to please men. So, in verse 6, he added another criterion for the servant. He said, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. He said, we were seeking the glory of God, not our own glory. Although as the apostles of Christ, we can use our authority in order to glorify ourselves. We can use our authority in order to fulfill our demands and our needs. But we never use this authority as the apostles of Christ in order to be glorified or in order to fulfill our demands or our needs. So they even refused the glory and the demands that are due to them as apostles. And here St. Paul actually is setting a very important principle that the authority in service is given To serve others, not to rule over others or control others or demand from others. The authority is to protect and to serve, not to rule or to control or to demand. So actually, St. Paul said so far that the servant should be bold in God, to speak the word of the Gospel, even in the midst of conflict. He should preach out of truth, holiness, love. He should, shouldn't should be a mean pleaser but he should please God in everything he does. He shouldn't use his own glory. He shouldn't actually seek his own glory, but he should Seek the glory of God. Then actually from verse 7, he started to speak how their ministry to the Thessalonians looked like. He told them, but we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children gentleness in in service, in ministry. The servant should be like a nursing mother, full of compassion and full of affection. This should be the heart of of the servant. And if you think about a nursing mother, the nursing mother does not expect any glory in return from her children or does not expect any money or any demands in return from her children. But actually the mother cherishes her own children take good care of them without expecting anything in return. This should be the heart of the servant. The mother actually is willing to die for her children. That's what we call the sacrificial love. And actually, St. Paul in verse 8 spoke about this sacrificial love. He said, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. This is a very, very strong uh, message. He told them, We did not just impart to you the gospel, the word of Christ, but we are willing to give our lives for you. As the Lord Jesus Christ said about the Good Shepherd, He is willing to lay down His life for His flock. The exact words St. Paul is saying, We were willing actually. To give our own lives. Why? Because you have become dear to us. We are affectionately longing for you. So the heart of the servant should be full of love to his people, to his flock. And this love is unconditional love, not based on their status or their spirituality. It is unconditional love as the love of Christ toward us. He loved us while we were sinners. This love also is sacrificial love. Willing to give his own life for them. Unconditional sacrificial love. And this love is limitless. It included everybody in the city. Not to a certain group. There is no partiality in this love but this love is for everybody. This is how the heart of the servant should be. Unconditional, sacrificial, and limitless love. Also this love was not only words St. Paul is telling to them but actually this love was translated in action. How he was willing to give his own life He told them, I didn't want to burden you with our financial needs. I didn't want to burden you with our financial needs. That's why, besides preaching the gospel to you, we were working and laboring day and night in order to provide for our needs. Although the Lord Jesus Christ put a principle that, The servant of the altar, from the altar, should eat. But St. Paul is saying, we did not use this rite. But we were laboring day and night in order to provide for our needs, in order not to burden you. We know that you are a new church. That's why we don't want to burden you. That's what he said in verse 8. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil... For laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach it to you, the gospel of God. So actually, this love, sacrificial love, was demonstrated in not burdening the, the people in Thessalonica with their needs. Another or other criteria that St. Paul added to the proper attitude of the servant, from verse uh, 10, he said, You are witnesses and God also. How devoutly, unjustly, and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. He spoke here about three uh, criteria. Number one, how he was devout. This, is, this means he was dedicated to the service. The, preaching the gospel and his ministry took priority in his life. Devoutly and justly. Justly means he treated everybody with justice and fairness. There was no partiality in his ministry. And blamelessly means he did not offend anybody. Three important principles. To be dedicated, not to have any partiality, but to treat everybody fairly and also not to offend anybody. Actually, we as servants, if we keep these three principles, dedication, not to offend anybody, not to have any partiality, actually we will have a very successful ministry. And here he is saying, God is witness, but also you are witness, because you will testify how we behaved among you. In verse 11, he said, "As you know, how we exhorted, and comforted, and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children." So his teaching to them and his preaching was in the spirit of fatherhood, and as a servant, he understood his ministry to exhort. To charge and to comfort, but to do all these things with spirit of fatherhood. Exhort means what? Exhort means to motivate people to live life of holiness and life of repentance. To charge means to give instruction, practical application, how to live life of holiness and life of repentance. And to comfort... When the person falls in his repentance or when there are some obstacles in the life of holiness, so he gives a message of hope and he encourages and motivate and lift up the fallen. That's why he said we exhort, we motivate you to live the life of holiness. We charge, we give you practical instruction. How to do it. And we comfort. If you fail, then we comfort you in order to rise again and continue your uh, journey. But we did these three things. Exhortation, charging, and comforting in the spirit of fatherhood. St. Paul, while he was doing this, he did not forget the goal. What is the goal of his ministry? To bring all his people blameless and holy before God in his second coming. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So he is reminding them was God's calling. Like if a prince married uh, a poor girl from a very poor family. So this poor girl now joins the royal family. So actually she should conduct herself in a way fitting the royal family. That's exactly what St. Paul is saying here. Now you become the children of God. God called you to his kingdom. So now we are his royal family. We are royal kingdom and priesthood. So you need to walk worthy of this calling. You need to walk worthy of God who called you into his kingdom and his glory so in these 12 verses actually st paul taught us some important principles in service and i hope all the servants try to follow his instruction in these 12 verses number 1 we need to serve with courage and with boldness number 2 we need to preach the gospel in truth holiness and in love. Number three, we need to seek the glory of God, not our own glory. Number four, we need to please God, not to be men pleasers. Number five, we need to conduct ourselves with gentleness. Number six, sac- sacrificial love. Number seven, devotedness. Justice and blamelessness. How to be dedicated to behave yourself without partiality, without offending anybody. Number eight, how to exhort, charge and comfort. Motivate people to live the life of holiness. and Give them practical application and when they fail you need to comfort them. Number nine, you need to conduct all these things in spirit of fatherhood, like a nursing mother cherishes her children. And number ten, you are doing all this while the goal of your service is clear, which is to walk worthy of God who called us to his kingdom and his glory. In the beginning of this chapter, St. Paul told them, you know that our coming to you was not in vain. So actually from verse 13 to verse 16, he explains to them the fruits of his ministry, how his ministry was not in vain, but actually his ministry brought forth fruits. These fruits actually was due to the work of the Holy Spirit. Because if if God and the Holy Spirit not working with St. Paul, St. Paul couldn't bear this fruit. That's why before reflecting on these fruits, St. Paul gave thanks to God without ceasing. Any success in our ministry, any fruits in our ministry, it's because of God. That's why when we find our ministry is successful and fruitful, we shouldn't boast uh, for ourselves, but actually we should give thanks to God and boast in him because he is the source of every victory, every triumph, and every uh, uh, success. That's why in verse 13 he said, for this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Thank God without ceasing. Why? Why? Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. So the first fruit, when St. Paul preached them, they did not accept his words as words of men, but as word of God. And St. Paul said, As it is in truth. As it is in truth. Because the preaching of St. Paul and the gospel of St. Paul is not his own gospel. That's the gospel of Christ, the word of God. Actually, this is very important to know and to understand in our current time. His Holy Pope Shenouda, told us a story when he was speaking with the Episcopal Church about the ordination of the homosexuals. And he was talking to them from the letters of St. Paul and how homosexuality is sin. So the other person told him, but these are the words of St. Paul not the words of Christ. And this was said because he differentiated between the words of St. Paul and the words of Christ. Although we know that every word in the Gospel and in the Bible, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And here St. Paul actually is affirming that his Gospel and his preaching is not the words of men but the words of God as it is in truth. And St. Paul said this is the fruit that you accepted my words not as words of men but as words of God as it is in truth. And because his message was the word of God, not the word of men. The word of God was working in them effectively, as he said, which also effectively works in you who believe. The word of God has power in itself. And here I want to explain to you a very important principle about the inspiration of the uh, gospel. Or the word of God. The Holy Spirit did not only inspire the writers of the Bible and then uh, uh, the Holy Spirit's mission is ended. No. But until now, every time we read the Bible or we hear the Bible or we preach the Bible, the Holy Spirit accompanies every word in the Bible. And when we receive it, we will receive it with the power of the Holy Spirit that's working in it. That's why St. Paul in Hebrews said, the word of God is sharper than two-edged sword. Because the Holy Spirit works with every word and effectively can transform our life. And that's what happened with the people in, in, in Thessalonica. When they heard the word, of God this word transformed them give them the power and the courage to endure suffering and to be steadfast against the persecution so the power of the word of God when we receive the gospel at the word of God it will transform us it will work effectively in us so verse 14 for you brethren became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. What did he mean by you became imitators? He told them, you know the churches in Judea? Now they endure suffering and persecution from the Jewish people in Jerusalem. Now, you who are in Thessalonica, and Thessalonica is in Greece. Also, you are enduring the same suffering and the same pain. And your endurance is another fruit of the ministry. So the first fruit, you received my word as the word of God, and you allowed this word to work effectively in you. The other fruit that you are enduring this suffering, and this endurance is not strange. Jesus Christ Himself endured pain from the Jewish people. The Church in Jerusalem endured suffering and endured persecution from the Judeans, and also you in Thessalonica, you are enduring pain and suffering from the Jewish people. So. Don't consider it a strange thing. It is expected. It's expected that those who, are, who want to live according to the gospel of Christ will be persecuted. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the, the same things from your own countrymen just as they did from the Judeans. So as they suffered from the Judeans, you also suffered from uh, your countrymen. So this suffering is not particular to you only, but this is what happened to the believers in Judea, and also it happened with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And St. Paul from verse 15 and 16 elaborated more about the sins of the Jews. He told them, who killed both the Lord Jesus Christ and their their own prophets. So the Judeans killed the Lord Jesus Christ and killed their own prophets. When God sent them prophets like Isaiah or Jeremiah, they killed them. Number two, they have persecuted us the apostles and the Christians. Number three, they did not please God. Why he said they did not please God? Because Saint Paul himself was a Jewish, a prejudiced Jewish person who persecuted Christianity. And he said, I thought that I was pleasing God when I was killing Christians. But actually I figured out I was not pleasing God. That's why he is saying here, although they believe that they are pleasing God by killing the Christian, but actually they are not pleasing God. And they became contrary to all men. Because now Christianity is spreading everywhere. But the Judeans are persecuting them and opposing them. So became contrary to all men. So, they killed the Lord Jesus Christ himself. They killed their prophets. They killed the apostles and the Christians. Actually, they are not pleasing God. They became contrary to all men. Not only that, but they forbade preaching the Gentiles. Even the Jews who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are very upset and disappointed If the apostles went to the Gentiles. Because they think that heaven is only made for the Jewish people. That's why in verse 16, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they may be saved. So they don't want anybody to be saved, except except the, the, the Judeans only, the Jewish people only. And maybe this was the problem of Jonah, when he refused to preach Nineveh. Because, again, he didn't want the Gentiles to be saved. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. So, by doing all these sins, by killing the Lord Jesus Christ, the prophets, the apostles, by persecuting the Christian because they are contrary to all men and not pleasing God, because they are forbidding the apostles to preach the Gentiles, actually, they filled up the measure of their sins. That's why they are worthy of the uttermost wrath. This letter actually was written in 52 AD. And St. Paul, in this verse, Actually, he was prophesying about the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened 18 years later uh, in year 70 A.D. So St. Paul here is saying they filled up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. So this is a prophecy about how the wrath of God will come upon them, and actually their temple will be destroyed, And they will be scattered all over the world. And that's what happened 18 years later in year 70 AD when Titus, the Roman uh, ruler, uh, destroyed the temple of Solomon in Jerusalem. Then the last uh, three verses or four verses is about St. Paul's concern For them and how he wanted to visit them, but Satan actually hindered him. And this teaches us that many times Satan can hinder us from achieving our goal. Actually, he hindered Archangel Gabriel from delivering a message to Daniel the prophet for three weeks. 21 days. But this shouldn't scare us, but actually should motivate us to pray and ask God to be with us so if God is with us, nobody will be against us. Verse 17, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart. And I like what St. Paul is saying here. As you know, if you can read this in Acts chapter 17, how St. Paul was forced to leave Thessalonica. So when he left Thessalonica, he told them, now we have been taken away from you in presence by face only, but not by heart. So he, he wants to tell them, that the spiritual bond with you is beyond the time and place. Although we have been taken away from you in presence for a short time, but not in heart. Our hearts is still with you, connected to you, bonded to you. But because we have been we having been taken away from you for a short time, now we endeavour more eagerly to see your face with great desire. We have this love in our heart to see your face and we were longing to see your face. And here just I want to say another principle, St. Paul is sitting here. The motivation beyond visitation when a priest or, or a servant visits his people the motivation should be the love and the longing to be with them. Not just to calm his conscience, not to do it out of guilt, not to do it as a routine, but should be out of love and longing, as St. Paul said. word more eagerly to see your face with great desire. We wanted to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you even I, Paul, emphasis here, I wanted to come by myself. I am Paul. I want to come to you, to visit you. Time and again, we tried and tried and tried, but Satan hindered us. Maybe he was referring here to the persecution that prevented them from going back to Thessalonica. And he saying to them, what is the reason of our love to you what is the reason of our desire and our longing to you because what is our hope our joy and crown of rejoicing saint paul is imagining himself standing before god at the last day and now saint paul he is telling god here i am o oh lord with all my people with all these churches That I established with all those who believed in you because of my ministry. So, these people will be his hope. His hope in the last day that God will consider this victory over Satan. Because he he took all these people from the kingdom of Satan and transformed them to the kingdom of God. So, they are his hope. They are his joy. When he see all of them saved with him and inheriting the kingdom of God, this brings joy. And they are the the crown. He will be crowned in the last day because of his ministry among them. The crown that brings joy to his heart, the crown of rejoicing. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Our glory and joy. This is a good perception. Many, unfortunately, many servants and many priests and, and, and clergy think about service and people as a burden or as a cross or they endure or they suffer. But St. Paul actually, he had a very uh, joyful perception. He's perceiving his people as his joy, his crown of rejoicing, his glory, and his hope. And this is very true. because, Because of our ministry, because of our service, actually this will qualify us to be crowned, to be happy, to be joyful in the coming of Christ, to be glorified and to have hope. So, I want every servant, every priest to think about his people and his flock as his crown of of rejoicing, his hope, his glory and his joy. This is again a very important principle. This concludes this chapter which is one of the most important chapters in, in service and I hope that every servant reads this chapter uh, repeatedly and learn from the principles that St. Paul uh, said in this chapter uh, in order to have successful uh, ministry. Finally, O Lord, hear us and pray, thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thy kingdom, power, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, love of God, the Father, the grace of his only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, communion, gift of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Go in peace. May the peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.